TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you're in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer, and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, Make It Big Training, and the Master of Me coaching program, Stuart Hayes. Good afternoon. <laughs> Rich, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, uh, you know what? Do we, I, I'm quite excited today. I've, we've got uh, a very special person with us. Um, a person who's touched my heart and has been someone who has helped me considerably over the past few years. And I really would just like to introduce her. Is that okay? It is okay. All right. Well, our special guest today started her career as an entertainer and performed for millions of people on radio, uh, animated film, on TV, on Broadway, and actually was on live international concert stages with performers including Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. Uh, two you, of the big ones. Well, can you believe that? I mean, that, that just, that's just amazing. Anyway, today she's one of the world's most highly regarded voice presentation and public speaking mentors. And her clients, the people that she coaches, include many of the world's best-selling authors and also leaders of Fortune 500 companies. So she's really playing at the biggest end of the scale. She's been featured on CNBC, on CNN, um, she's been on Time Magazine, on Forbes, and she's shared the stage with people like Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, and former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. Wow. Phew. Anyway, Deborah Torres Patel, welcome to Careers Unplugged. Thank you so much, Stu. It's great to be here. And thank you, Rich, too. Yay. So, Yay. <laughs> so, so Deb, you, with that amazing rap uh, that Stewie's just uh, rattled off there. What was your first job? Oh, that's a great question. It was I went, My first job was when I was four years old. <laughs> I was I, I was singing on the church radio station. So um, you know, I was very blessed from a very young age to have talent, and both my parents loved music and they really supported me in that direction. But you know. My whole path has been about finding my voice and expressing that voice in the world. And so my journey started young and my professional journey started young. Um, but, you know, I had a really challenging childhood. So I know the, the accolades sound very, uh, what would I say, impressive. Mm. Uh, however, uh, you know, I was abused as a kid. Uh, you know, I've, I had terrible things happen to me when I was a teenager. You know, I, I basically lost my voice or I had my voice taken away from me. I had my power taken away from me. And so I, I was really unhappy. Uh, I didn't feel safe in my house. And I, I felt really trapped. And so even though I, I always had this external talent, and I believe I feel very blessed. I, I feel that a lot of us, you know, we're we have innate gifts and talents, and sometimes it takes a while to unearth them. In my mm -hmm. case, it, a lot of them were obvious, but also, you know, my parents, as many parents do, they influence us in the direction that they would love us to go. And so, you know, I, I went through my career as an entertainer. And again, you know, when you're unhappy, if you look at Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston, for example, mm. you know, 
in the, especially in the mindset of a child or a teenager, for me, I thought, okay, my only way out of this life that I'm living, my only chance to be happy would be to be famous because that's what the ultimate looked like in entertainment, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously I'm with it. Uh, but, you know, in reality, I think as, as human beings, we all just want to be happy people. Obviously, we want to have a happy family. We want to have a happy life and we want to contribute in some way it, with the work that we do. And so, um, you know, I went on a journey and, you know, again, Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson, they are, they were dead at my age now. And, you know, it's, it was, I remember when I got to being 26 years old, when I was on the stage with Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston in, in Monte Carlo, I was at the top of my career. I was the opening act, which is, you know, for those people listening in, if you don't know what that is, that's the warm up act before the celebrity goes on. And when you get to that position in your career, I was at 26 years old, I was opening act. The next step is to become really famous yourself. And there I was at the top of my game, but, you know, I was having to take diet pills. I was getting injections. People were telling me, you know, change your nose. Your boobs are too small. Your boobs are too big. You know, just all kinds <laughs> of, you know, you're in this, you know, and, and things like, um, you know, uh, them wanting to abuse you in a different way. I mean, all this mm. sexual mm. pressure. And, you know, all of this objectification of women and here, you know, imagine I started when I was four, 22 years, I dedicated my life every waking hour, every waking moment to escape the unhappiness that I had when I grew up as a kid and through high school. And then uh, finally, when I get to like, what's supposed to be the ultimate, I'm completely unhappy and I'm, a, I'm an emotional wreck. So at 26 years old, I had to make a decision. I, I, it was very clear to me with that toxic lifestyle with drugs and sex and rock and roll and everything that comes with it, that very high-flying lifestyle, that if I would continue, I would probably be dead. And, you know, I was really, I was really devastated. Everybody, you know, the, Michael Jackson was amazing. So mm -hmm. I was really devastated. When he died, but even more so when Whitney died, because Whitney died right before, seven days exactly before my 50th birthday. And actually, the lowest point in my life came, and I went, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I actually moved to Australia for a point in time. Oh, I good was move. in Adelaide, and, you know, I got there, and I'm like, of course, chief entertainment officer, right? And <laughs> there I was again, and I was, I was feeding people's addictions, I was still doing entertainment. I was doing events and things like that. But I thought, you know, this is not the life I want. I, I want to have a happy life for myself and I want to support other people in having a happy life. Mm. And, you know, so I, I actually remember my lowest, lowest point ever. And this is really profound. I was working at a T-shirt shop in Noosa, you know, Noosa in Queensland, mm. right? I was so broken. I had a relationship breakdown, you know, I was so broken. I was living in this beautiful house in, in Australia with a partner that I had and, um, you know, everything just crumbled, crumbled to pieces. And I was working in this t-shirt shop. I could have done other things. I was singing a little bit, teaching a little bit, but I just, it took everything I had just to survive. I mean, I just had to just, I just wanted to do something where I didn't have to think, but this t-shirt shop would play VH1 all day long right mm -hmm. guess who saw on the video 
Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, the bodyguard, all this stuff. And I'm, I, you know, it was so low. I thought, you know, I, I am such a loser. I'm such a failure. So how did you change that mindset? How, or, 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 you know, if you, when you're having low points and everyone has them, what's your, been your approach to getting yourself out of there and getting into a better place in the sunshine? Well, I'm pretty much a survivor. And, you know, because I, I, uh, I had I was abused in the past. I was raped. You know, I had really ugly history. You know, I have to do for me the way my mind operates is survival. I, I was clear that I was unhappy, and when I was at, in Australia, I made the decision that I wanted to find my place in the world. And I have uh, worked at that point. I'd probably worked in about fifty countries or something by then, or more wow. fifty. Five countries now it's about like 72 but at that point you know there's a different way that you feel in the world and and so I felt like okay I if I'm if I'm going to commit to Australia if I'm going to come back and make Australia my home I need to go visit my my homeland I need to travel around and see if this is really where I want to be and mm, I, yep. I, I needed to start a new life uh, and for me that that life you know had to do with reconnecting with my roots and seeing what was important but through a series of events um, you know, a, a, a miracle happened. It's like I made a decision. I think really uh, the, the most powerful point in time is we have these defining moments. And I had a defining moment. I remember when I was in Australia, I had a defining moment and that basically said, this has got to change. Was that but, a, a self-realization, Deb? Or did you have someone that was supporting you or it was a conversation? You know, what, what happened? And I actually, you know, it's interesting because my career, I'm, I'm very extroverted in my career, but I'm a very introverted person by nature. And I'm an only child, so I normally process things internally. And so um, I didn't really have help, but I knew I needed help. Mm. And so my way has always been meaningful work. So I started to look at, you know, if I were going to create a brand new life, which may, maybe some people are listening in here are at the same place right now. If I were going to create a brand new life, what would that look like? If I knew I could not fail, what step would I take? Or what series of step, steps would I take? But in my experience, it's really only about taking the next step. And as long as you just take that next step that's going to move you forward, you're going to eventually end end up in the right direction. Now, Stu, you're a CEO, so you, you have a lot of you know, wisdom and knowledge about, you know, staying on course and keeping your focus. But, you know, I was an artist and I was really all over the place. So I think, you know, what happened for me, I, I believe I'm a very spiritual person. So I believe there's probably, I got to such a place where I was willing to surrender that I was open in a new way. And then I saw some new possibilities and I went on a trip around the world trip and I was, I was going back to sing again and I was just doing some things to find out what I wanted to do. And on my first stop, I ended up with working with a, one of the richest billionaires in the world named Lee Ka-shing. And he's a Hong Kong yep. businessman. And I was, they, they called me up. I, I knew somebody in the company and they asked me to sing for this corporate event. And I said, why would you want me to do that? I mean, I'm not Celine Dion. Who cares? But then you're a really good singer. I said, so tell me about your event. So anyway, what I ended up doing was going in there and designing an event and doing team building, teaching the CEO to sing and videotaping it and basically bringing showbiz to this, uh, you know, to this business. So, and they loved it. They loved my energy and they asked me, you know, I, what was supposed to be three days just to stop over to visit mm. a friend, into three weeks. And before I left, they said, we have to have you working with us. Wh whatever it takes, what are you making now? And they offered me 10 times 
what I was making to go, which wasn't a lot, but it was, it was, it was, it's still very good money to this day, but they offered me 10 times to do what I was, to leave what I was doing in Australia, which was, you know, not really much, <laughs> but they didn't know. <laughs> T-shirts in Noosa. Mm. So Deb, tell me, you know, how do you go about setting your goals? Like, you know, if you, you've had that experience there working with this chap and you got offered 10 times your money uh, that you were currently earning, how do you go about setting goals for yourself and has that been important for you in, in, in certain turning points or transition points? I have to say, I have to be really honest because, you know, we lo- know and love each other. I have to be really honest. I had such low self-esteem that I didn't believe goals were possible. Now, see, you have to understand that I grew up, my parents were divorced. I, I was, my, my father was an alcoholic and, you know, he died of cirrhosis and mm. secondary complications. Um, you know, I, I, I did not have the best, you know, the best uh, vision of what a life that worked looked like. Mm. And so I didn't have the tools or I didn't have, even though I was very impressive on the outside, mm. on the inside, my self-concept was low. And, you know, every step that I took was a survival practical step until I got to that corporate place. And then I got there and I thought, aha, my gifts and talents are useful here. There's another defining moment that I forgot to mention earlier in my entertainment career. I had a very important teacher. And I think teachers or mentors or uh, you know, uh, any of these thought leaders, personal development leaders, uh, they teacher leaders, they can inspire you to a new direction. Do you think, yeah, now, do you think that the, like the goals, and I mean, all, I think everyone can be susceptible to it at different times in their life. We're all impressionable that goals can be, uh, you know, put onto us and we can actually pursue things out of a sense of obligation or about someone else's to do list, so to speak. You know, someone else wants me to be, be famous and I'm going to take that on. Um, yeah. And, and again, it, it, I totally agree. You know, that can be our parents. It can be caregivers. It, or it can. Be, in my case, it was just the perception that I had. Mm. You know, so I was so screwed up that I just thought that that was my only way out. I could have had other ways out, but you know, the way my brain worked, mm. that to be the most logical step. Because I'm the type of person who's an achiever. I want to. If I'm going to go for something, I want to go for the ultimate. So to me. That was the ultimate. But when I was so disappointed and so unhappy with the ultimate, I just, you know, I, it was very clear to me that I would be dead at my age, which, you know, is profound given what happened to Whitney and Michael. So, Deb, you, you've, you sort of had some, some two really big turning points. You know, the first one um, when you were up on the stage around that time, the second one around the Noosa time, you, you went, worked with Lee Cashin, you had... Uh, it seems to me that a vision emerged. Um, how did the career path then unfold that took you from that point to being someone who actually is now sought after across the world as a coach and as someone who can do those type of things now in the corporate world? So what ended up happening for me, and I think this is useful for anybody listening in, I really did an inventory on myself and I looked at what I love doing, what I'm good at, what people had paid me for in the past and how that could apply. And it became very clear when I had the, you know, the destiny or the good fortune to somehow land in Hong Kong at Lee Kang company. Mm. 
it, it was very clear. I'd done some coaching in the past with corporates all along the way, but because I was on this sort of fame entertainer path, mm. I wasn't even present with it, but it became very clear to me that actually my joy and my full self-expression was in making other people superstars, mm -hmm. giving them the skills that they need, making them the heroes. And actually, that's what I love the most. And I have always loved that the most because at my fundamental core, I'm a nurturer. I'm all about family. And some of that's a reaction to, you know, my own environment. And you know what? My parents did the very best they could. We all do the best we can, given the skills and knowledge that we have and the, the circumstances that we're in at the moment. So I have no hard feelings or anything like that. I'm certainly a parent now I know. It's an imperfect world. <laughs> Although was that the skills that I had accumulated, and people can get skills. You can get skills from being good at school. You can get skills from sports, extracurricular activities, your hobbies. They're they're. We all have areas of mastery, perhaps, or even if you're just starting out, at least you have an area of a passion that you want to pursue. And I think for me, that's been a, a big indication. And because I was so, I was so desperate to become happy, I was willing to do whatever it takes. Deb, let me ask you a question because you know I, I have had uh, a lot of my life in the music and entertainment industry myself, and still do. How important is the difference between talent and skill for you? <laughs> you know what? There are talent. There's so many talented people, mm. but but commitment, persistence, practice, never give up attitude, and and skill is important. But you know, you look at somebody like Madonna. Mm. She's never a great singer. She's an iconic performer. Mm. Oh, look, I couldn't agree more. I, I've come across some amazing singers that will go nowhere because they're so naturally talented that everything comes easy to them. So they never learn to work hard. They never learn to focus. They never learn to get the discipline that is really required to get to what they really, truly want. And they coast on, they coast on, on, on the, you know. Luckily, uh, because I fought so hard to get out of my environment, I developed discipline really early age and because I wanted to be the best you know I, it was clear to me you know when you go to an audition in New York City for a Broadway show there are thousands of people they see thousands and thousands if you see these you know American Idol or mm. the or anything like that that's the way it was for me but people we just weren't on TV and you yeah. know you fall, you fall out of the double pirouette turn in your audition you're out period you, you know you you and I, I'm sure you remember this, Rich. In the old days, you know, we would record on reel-to-reel -reel tape. There was <laughs> it was beautiful. Two-inch tape is the best, still the best sound. There was no such thing. You had to nail it. I used to do um, voiceovers for commercial jingles in New York City. And, you know, I'd get paid, and in, like I think in the 1980s, like $600 US an hour because I could walk in there and read a piece of music and nail it the first time. And that takes enormous dedication it, and it takes mastery and I think that's one of the the challenges with today's society because you know we learned a craft there was the master apprentice relationship that was in place yep. before we had all this technology and so I feel really blessed that I learned the fundamentals I paid my I did my 10,000 hours in the theater I did mm -hmm. my 10,000 concert stages and, and pe people don't have that experience anymore. And that's why I think our teachers are so important. And I have to say, you know, my next big uh, pivotal point was when I met a, a person we all know and love, Blair Singer. Mm. And it wasn't until I worked with Blair in 2008 that I was able to accept 
my journey, even though I was already successful, mm. there was a layer for myself of feeling I wasn't good enough, feeling like I failed as an entertainer. But then it, the nice thing about getting older, and if you're older and listening in, the nice thing about getting older is that when you reach a point where you have enough knowledge and experience and skill accumulated, it can really be, it can all come together to work. And I was able to very quickly distinguish myself in a marketplace because the skills that I had becoming a great communicator in front of thousands of people and millions of people broadcast around the world, the same skill that, you know, make you have to show up and nail your presentation, that get people to invest in you, that, you know, give you the, the chutzpah, they call it, mm. you know, give you the, the cojones to really get <laughs> be bold uh, and, and really take a stand. And, and so, so what I'm hearing I, there is actually your success in your current career wasn't a shift in skill or talent. It was a shift in self-concept. It your, was and then I had to I had to gain a lot of skill. I remember hmm. another really great opportunity. This was before I met Blair. Was in about two thousand three, two thousand and four. Because I'm a voice expert, you know, I coach a lot of professional speakers, so they can't because they can't afford to lose their voice, hmm. their, their income. And so I was uh, brought in as a consultant to keep to work with some professional speakers and improve their presentation and improve the quality of their voice, etc. And um, they noticed how good I was, you know, how capable I was. And they also noticed that I had to demonstrate what I was teaching people. And they put me on the stage. And they said, you know, you think you could do this? I'm like, well, you know, I've been a stage of my whole life. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a site. I didn't have a product. I had nothing. And I remember the first time I got on a, you know, a speak to sell type of platform. It was like, I think I was with Jay Abraham and a, a great guy, um, Kenny McElroy on the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yep, yep. Tony Robbins, all in the very beginning. And I remember looking at that and I thought, wow, these people make a lot of money. And all they're doing is standing up there, uh, you know, speaking. It's a lot, you know, it's a lot easier to speak than sing and dance and keep to the music and stay me and you know all the things that I had to do just in order to work in entertainment so it was it, it you know actually what I'm doing now from a skill point of view is actually easier now I, from Blair I learned how to facilitate a room better I learned how to um, you know some some really cool um, um, uh, important thank you important skills that you know it takes to be a great teacher leader yeah. trainer and, and- I'm, I'm for that, but I invested heavily in my education, mm. and uh, you know it's it's paid me handsomely. And then you know once, but but to me it was the same type of dedication and same type of discipline. And I would say at that point I did start having goals. Another big turning point, which I forgot to mention, is I got married. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you, you've, your career is is actually quite staggering. The sheer number of experiences, if you if you distill things into experiences, um, and I think life is more than that. But you know, you, you've been on stage with amazing people. You've been the leading act for amazing people, um, and you've been up on stage and you've done things yourself. You know, as a as a trainer and presenter, you know, with your own product um, in the professional world. Do you boil it down to to highlights? Have you got a couple of, of moments that are frozen in time? Um, well, I think that one moment that I was sharing in, ter- from, in terms of a career point, I'd say if I went back frozen in time, it was that 
decision to leave entertainment, even though it was really scary and I knew nothing else. Then I had Arthur Joseph, who was a great teacher, who started pointing me in a direction that really made sense. But he could see me in a way that I couldn't see myself. It was just, I was too close to it. And I think it's really important to have coaches and mentors for that reason. And then from there, you know, I, again, I still made a trip to Asia. I still, I, cause I got invited for a TV station. I had enough vis- visibility that I could do that. Then I had my lowest point in Australia, which was a big turning point. And at that, that point, I made a decision that life had to change and that, you know, I was over being unhappy and I had to find a way to, to be happy if, with no relationship with no career, with nothing, you know, just to be fundamentally happy. And I just, I made a decision at that moment, I would do whatever it takes. It's not like I wasn't going for that before, but I think it just, for me personally, it took me to hit that rock bottom so I could really see it very simply. And then from there, things started to pick up, you know, literally within a span of six weeks time, I made that decision. I was in Australia, somehow, you know, the universe aligned to get me an invitation to Hong Kong. I went to Hong Kong. I was already planning a around the world trip. I went there. What was supposed to be three days turned into three weeks and then turned into two years. With So then I went to finish my around the world tour because I hadn't seen my mom in three weeks. The, the fourth day, the moment I got back to Hong Kong to start my job, I, the first place they took me was to Singapore. I met my husband on that Singapore trip. Wow. Synchronicity. And then, <laughs> it's amazing. Like my whole life changed. I got ten times the income. I met my husband. You know, and and I I was off men totally. I was off relationships. I was totally fine to hang out with my best girlfriends for the rest of my life. And just <laughs> Deb, one one thing that that you said um, was so powerful. Just uh, I mean, you said many powerful things in this call. You said that you after you met Blair that you were able to accept your journey. Mm. Um, how? What, what happened? What, what, what was the epiphany that, and what was the steps that happened to have you see it and accept it? Well, I think he really facilitated it, facilitated it with me. I mean, he's just such an amazing, insightful uh, human being and totally. so, so brilliant. I, I can't say enough about him. I, Wanna, I'm, I feel so blessed to have the opportunity to work with him closely and to even have had him to coach me. I mean, it's just mm. amazing. Well, yeah. And so he had the insight and he saw what was wanting to happen in me. And so he could sort of deconstruct him. Oh, well, he's a little voice master, right? That, that, that conversation, the self-concept, all that stuff is going in, on in your head. And what he showed me was through working on my own story, which is what we were doing in his training room, which was at Making the Stage, that was what the program was called, through um, working on my story, it became very clear that I was meant to be a teacher and I was meant to help leaders. And I had to be great myself first and I had to earn the right. And, you know, I had to put in, you know, more hours than many people listening in have even been alive on stage time, mm. on performance time, on P- in peak performance mode, because I started, I'm now 51, I'll be, I'm 51. So, you know, that's a lot of experience. That's 47 years mm. experience. What would, Deb, you know, I can't, I can't agree with you enough about uh, doing those courses because I've also done them as well and, and, and loved every moment, uh, particularly of uh, receiving from Blair some great wisdoms. 
we're going to run out of time shortly. So what gold, what would be your gold nugget for the audience? What would be the, the distillation of all that wisdom that you've gained through going through this process? Well, I'd say the most important thing, if, if you are looking for direction right now, mm. is to get silent, to go to nature. There's such beautiful nature if you're in Australia, certainly. But, you know, there's nature all around. Go to nature and, and get quiet enough to listen. And if you can't hear anything, then work with great people. I know you, you guys are awesome. I mean, work with whoever you really resonate with to really begin to get clear about that. And, you know, for some people, goals really work. For me, I, wa I, had, I had a whole bunch of things. Um, I, I didn't see the possibility of dreams. And for me, dreams are connected to goals. You have to have the dreams before you actually, you know, can put the, the goals into action. And so I, I didn't, I didn't have a construct to really have a structure around that. Um, so, but I would say that, you know, first look to that and, and look to see what are your core values? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that people pay you for? What would you love? What kind of lifestyle would you love? Like we all have built a lifestyle around our, our gifts and talents, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a really important place to start. So if somebody wants to have a family, then they should really look at what is the type of career or what is the type of work environment, whether you're an employee or whether you want to start your own business, uh, what is that right environment so that I can go for that lifestyle, go for those goals first and have work fit into that. Or for me, like I make so much money now. I mean, it's unbelievable when, when you get that all together what ends up happening is you open that tap, there's an avalanche of abundance that comes to you, but you have to be willing to, I'd say, you know, for me, it was definitely polishing and, and like a diamond has to be chiseled out. And, you know, I, I had to really develop my character because I had to, I didn't have a lot of good role models and I had a lot of weaknesses. So I think a lot of people would be in much better shape than me, really, you know, so if I can do it, Anybody can do it. <laughs> well, that's a powerful message. And Deborah Torres Patel, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, people that want to get in touch with you to, to, to help themselves through your programs, how do they do that? Um, I would say just – how about we just make it simple? Just go ahead and email me because there's so many different places you can go. I'll give you an email that comes to my team and gets to me and that is info, I-N-F-O, info, at – expressingyou.com. Okay, info, info at Yes, and if they're interested in, in finding out more about what I do, they can go to milliondollarvoicetraining.com. Okay, thank you very much, Deb. Anything you would like to add, Rich? No, just it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have this chat with you and um, we will definitely have you back on the show again, I'm sure, and uh, definitely looking forward to catching up when we can in person. And we're going to have to wrap it up there because that's, that's all we've got time for. But uh, thank you so much, Deb. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, and, and to all of you at home, in the car, wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Make sure you visit careersunplugged.com or go to Facebook and leave your comments. And, of course, give this episode a five-star rating on iTunes. Do it for Deb Torres-Patel. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life, career, and business. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.